In the opening chapters of the book of Genesis, we read about the story of creation. And what's interesting in the story of creation is that when God wanted to make a living creature, we'll see in a moment, he created something first, and then from that, he made that creature. Not only did he make it from that creature, but that same element is what sustained that living creature and then ultimately would return to it. And so when you read the creation account, we see that there are some things that God created, but there's also some things that God made. Of course, the definition of creation or to create, it means to make or to form something out of nothing. So, for example, God had said, let there be light. And out of nothing there came light. God said in the creation story, let there be waters, let there be dry land. And these things were created out of nothing. So he spoke the word and these things came into being. That's what it means to create. But, of course, to make something is different than to create something. To make something means that you form it from something that has already been created, right? Uh, for example, some of you have gone down to the DIY studio. Anybody ever gone there? DIY studio. Maybe it's still a fad. Maybe it's past. I don't know. But if you're not familiar with it, it's down on Mountain Road. You go and you get to select from all these different kinds of pottery. And you take that piece of pottery that you like and you can paint it. You can stencil it. You can put special chemicals on it to make it glow, you know, shine or whatever. And then you put it in the fire and let it in the kiln for a while. And then you come and pick it up a week later when it's cooled off and it's, and it's all set. Well, if you've done that, let me ask you a simple question. Did you create that piece of pottery or did you just make it? Right, okay. You, you formed it from something that was already made, right? You didn't say, you didn't speak the word and say, let there be an expensive dust collector. You didn't say that, right? You actually made it from something that was already made and is probably in your closet or displayed somewhere. The Bible says that God created everything in six days, but he also made some things from what he had already created. And the point is, what he made that from is very, very important. For example, we read in Genesis chapter 1, Then God said, Let the earth produce plants, some to make grain for seeds, others to make fruits with seeds in them. God did not say, let there be plants, right? God made plants from the dirt. What did God say? He said, let the earth produce plants. Because he wants the plants to come from the earth. The plants are then sustained by the earth, and the plants, when they die, return to the earth. In verse 20, God said the same about the waters. Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. So out of those waters that were already created, God created the fish and everything that lives in the salt water and the fresh water. And then, of course, all those creatures are sustained by that water. And when they die, they return, they stay there, they decompose and return to the elements within that water. Then in verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And so when God created the living creatures, he spoke to what it was he wanted them to be made out of. This is very important because in verse 26, God says something unique. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, so you see the difference? When God wanted to make the plants and the animals, he made them out of the dirt. 
sustain them by what grows in the dirt, and they return to the dirt. When God wanted to make fish and sea life, he spoke to the waters. When God wanted to make man, when he wanted to make you and me, who did he speak to? He spoke to himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit collectively said, let us make man in our image. What does that mean? It means that unlike any other created thing, we were created not just by God, we were created from out of God. We are sustained by God. And we will return back to God. Now, you may be thinking, well, Paul, doesn't the Bible say that God created the first man out of the dust of the earth? No, he did. But he created our bodies out of the dirt. You see, our bodies came from the dirt. From dust we came to dust, we will return, right? Remember the story of the little boy. His mother read him that story one time. And the next day he came running to his mother. He said, Mommy, 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 you got to come to my room. you got to come to my room. There's somebody there. He said, what do you mean? So I looked under my bed. You said, from dust we come, from dust to dust we return. I don't know if he's coming or going. <laughs> and so our body comes from the dirt. It's sustained by the dirt. What I mean by that is sustained by the plants and the, the, the vegetables and the, and the uh, animals, all those things that come out of the dirt. It's sustained by that. And when we die, of course, we go back to the dirt. But my spirit comes from God. My spirit has come out of the very essence of God. I'm created in his image. My spirit, the real me we talked about in a few weeks a few weeks ago, my spirit is sustained by God. And my spirit will return to God. Now, what would happen if a plant ever said to the dirt, I'm tired of being stuck here. I'm, I'm just going to pull out of here. I don't want to be tied down to this place anymore. What's going to happen? It's going to shrivel up and die. What happens to you when you say, hey, God, I just, you know, life's too busy. I had other things. You know, I just don't have time for you. What happens? You begin to shrivel up, don't you? It's the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. It's the same thing that happened to mankind. God warned them, but man basically said, look, we're out of here. We want to go on our own. We want to live life on our own terms. And God said, listen, if you ever disconnect from me, you've got to understand you come from me. And if you ever disconnect from me, not because I don't love you, but the natural consequence of your free will to choose to disconnect from me is that you will shrivel up. You will die in your spirit. And that's exactly what happened to Adam. Adam's body didn't die right away because his body came from the ground and eventually it aged, decayed, and he returned to the ground. But his spirit, the Bible says, died immediately. And consequently, every single one of us, when we're born into this world, we are born physically alive because we're still part of that creative process that was put into the genes of the first man and woman, but we are born spiritually dead. We are disconnected from God because of sin. Ephesians 2.1, Paul says this, And you, speaking of Jesus, he, Jesus, made alive. He made you alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Trespasses, in a, in a very simple way, has to do with you crossing the line all the time. You know what God says. And you know that God doesn't give you a bunch of rules. He's just telling you how life works. Right? We always say that here. The Bible is not a book of rules. It's a book of truths that God lovingly reveals to us. It's kind of like when you're walking along a sidewalk, maybe in a park or somewhere, and there's a string that runs along. And a little sign that says, do not trespass. Do not step on the grass. Maybe it's newly seeded or something being repaired. And everything within you, for no particular reason, just wants to 
Just touch it. That's called trespass. And there's a whole bunch of areas of life where the Lord lovingly says, hey, you don't cross that line. You don't need to. There's nothing there for you. Stay on this path. You're walking in freedom and life. Life is working. Don't. And we say, oh, I just I want to do my own thing. I want to pull up from here. I'm tired of the rules. And I want to do my own thing. But he says the Lord has saved us who were dead in trespasses and sins. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that you, that they, speaking to you and me, may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, we tend to focus on the word abundantly. That's not a bad thing. That's a good gig, okay? We, we get this abundant life. But the focus of this is Jesus saying, listen, I made you alive. That's what this is all about. You were dead, but I've made you alive, and I bring you into a new life that actually experiences an abundance, an overflow. It's more than you could ask or think or imagine, this new life with me. So God has made us for himself, but he also made us to be like himself. We know that when Adam first walked with God, there was no sin in the garden at all. And so Adam walked with God. He talked with God. Adam was like God. He thought like God. There was, just, there was nothing to hinder that communion and that revelation of, of everything that Adam had going for him. And yet, at that point, the Bible says that Adam was still alone. Okay, there's no sin. Everything's wonderful. But he was still alone. Genesis 2, we read, God took some soil from the ground and formed all the animals and all the birds. Then he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And that is how they all got their names. But not one of them was a suitable companion to help him, to help Adam, to be like the man. You see, if Adam hadn't realized it yet, I'm sure he's a brilliant man, so it probably dawned on him, though he didn't have an answer. If he didn't realize it yet, God devised this thing in such a way that Adam would recognize his need for someone else. He would recognize his need for a companion. I believe that's one of the reasons why God made Adam first by himself and then let him name all the animals. Because as the animals were brought before him, what did Adam recognize? They all had companions. All, they all had other animals that were just like them. And I really believe that what God was doing was not only reminding Adam of his need for a companion, but helping to appreciate the fact that when he gets the companion, how unique she is, how much she is like him, how precious she is, and how much he has to guard that relationship. And so he brings all the animals before him, and, and Adam has given them names that fit. If you ever studied science, you know, the, the phylum, the class, all those different things, I mean, those are all broken down in the names that Adam gave the animals. So he didn't just make up random names. They were all brilliant names that really described what they were, their function, and so on. And so he's naming them, and it becomes apparent, the Scripture says, that there's no suitable companion for Adam. I mean, Adam's probably looking at the animals that are coming by, Hey, you know, love pets, but no thanks. You know, whatever it was, like you can see, there's nothing here like me. There's nothing that matches me. And so he goes to sleep, the Bible says, and when he wakes up, there's this new creature lying beside him. And the first word that Adam spoke when he saw her was what? Whoa, man. Right? You've heard the story. In fact, I think it's the first time documented in the entire word of God where man said, praise the Lord. First time. He was excited because there was this person, this creature, who was just like him. He has this companion. So God made Adam out of himself, and then he made the woman out of man. Now the question is, how did God know that the only thing that would truly satisfy Adam was this woman, a companion, a wife, a bride? 
How did God know that she would perfectly complete him? That she would be someone that Adam would want to spend the rest of his life with? And I believe the reason God knew that is because man was created out of God's image. Adam had the exact same desire that God has. You see, Adam, God knew that Adam would be fully satisfied in her because of his own desire for you and me. He knew how much he longed to have us and how much he loves us and the relationship that he created us for with him, that Adam had someone to share his life with. Do we realize that God did not create us because one day he was bored and just wanted to do something, so he just made everything? God created us because he loves us and because he wants to be with us. God created us because he wants to spend the rest of our lives with us. And the amazing thing is we get to spend the rest of his life with him. Isn't it amazing? We don't get just to go to heaven. Like it's not like our, return re our reward in heaven is, hey, if you're really good, you get 10 more years. You get 100 more years. You get 1,000. No, no. We never die. We live forever with him. Now, if he did not love us, he would have put a time frame on that. Right? I mean, we love our kids. But there's times that we say, go play. Need some alone time. Whatever. Right? God's not like that. His love for us is so complete. His desire for us and his need for us, that love, that, he's, that vulnerable place he's put himself in to love us and even potentially be hurt by us is because he wants to spend eternity with us. And he also created us with a free will that we could choose whether or not we wanted to receive his love and love him in return. You see, we all know that if God forced us to love him, it wouldn't be real love, right? That would just be a robot. And they were doing that in today's technology, creating these robots that people can have for mates or whatever it may be. It's not only perverted, but it's so empty, and eventually it can't satisfy. Why? Because you know in your mind this is just a machine. It's not an actual person who can of their own free will love me. And that's what the human heart longs for. It's the same thing that God longs for and has made us able to, to receive and to reciprocate. Now, for example, if you ever tied your wife down and said, I don't recommend this. But if you ever said to her, honey, I'll untie you the moment you say that you love me, what would she do? She would say, okay, untie me, and I'll show you how much I love you. <laughs> right? Wouldn't be her own free will. God wants to love us out of his own free will. And you know why we can love God of our own free will? Because John tells us, because he first loved us. He has poured his love freely into our hearts. And our love for God is not something we have to fabricate. It's not something that we have to drum up ourselves. Our love for God is simply a response to an incredible love that he pours into our hearts for him. And the natural response is to love him. And so God made us from him. God made us to be like him. And he also made us to love him. The Bible actually refers to you and me collectively as his bride. And there's many beautiful implications of that imagery that we have from the scripture. We won't get into it this morning, but he calls us his bride. And there's a whole lot of people in the body of Christ who believe that God actually created us for the purpose of worshiping him. And people can't really get their minds around it. They think, oh, what a, you know egocentric kind of God that he's made all of us to, to worship him. No, he didn't make us to worship him. He made us to love him and to be able to respond to his love. He made us as objects of his love. And as we receive his love, that love gets stirred up in our hearts, and we naturally want to return it to him because we're made in his image. 
I think it's the Westminster Catechism says that we have been made just to bring glory to God and to love him forever. That's our highest calling, is to love him. Worship is the natural outflow of a heart that is full of love. That's why we worship the Lord, because it's a response of our love for God. Now, when you tell someone you love them, let's say you tell your spouse you love them. When I tell my wife, Vanessa, that I love her, what am I saying? I'm saying, number one, there is no one I would rather be with than you. If you're free on a Saturday morning, I'd rather be with you than spend five hours on the golf club with a bunch of guys. I don't mind saying that. It doesn't mean golf is a bad thing. It doesn't mean you can't have time away, right? But love says, I would rather do it with you. I would rather be with you, right? Love says, if necessary, I would give my life so you could live, right? If you love someone, if you love your spouse and somebody came and said, you got an option, it's you or her, what do you say automatically? What do you say? Okay, it's not a trick question. Right? Instantly, there's no thought. There's no, there shouldn't be a hesitation. It's yes, take me. Because love, it just gives this worth. That's what worship is, is ascribing worth, value. That's why the scripture says that true love is placed in the other before yourself. That's what love really is. And, and, and love turns into worship because you ascribe worth. And when you love that person, when you say, I love you, you're saying, I ascribe a worth to you because I love you. Now, we know from the scriptures and from the very things God has done for us that God is a giver by his very nature. And what that means, and this is very key as I close this morning, is that God never receives without, I know you're all looking at your watches. It's a miracle. You were here to witness it. If you, you'll never see it again. But God is a giver. God cannot receive without giving. When he takes it in, automatically he gives it out. And that's one of the ways that you know if truly the spirit of God lives within you, you yourself will be a giver. There will just be a nature of generosity, a nature of just giving it away. That's what it means to be filled with the love of God. But that's also why it's so important that you make a connection with God every single day. But even this morning when you come together to worship the Lord that you make an effort to make a connection with the Lord. Because if you will touch him, he will touch you right back. He always will. Do you remember playing tag as a kid? Right? What's one of the first rules you make when you play tag, especially if you're not fast? Whatever you call it, no touchbacks. Right? So the person that, if I tag you, you can't tag me right back, okay? you got to go tag somebody else. Because the slow person is always it. Right? And if you're going to play that way, they'll never play. You won't have enough people. So you've got to make the rule. There's no touchbacks. But with God, the rule doesn't apply. He says, when you touch me, I touch you. And I touch you right back. In fact, we see in the scriptures a story of a woman who had suffered for 12 years with this problem with bleeding. And she, she sees Jesus in the distance, but there's this big crowd between them. What does she do? She's not dissuaded. She pushes through the crowd until she can actually get a hold of his garment. She just touches him. And the moment she touches him, the Bible says, she is healed. Jesus touches her back. Now, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? There's hundreds of people all around you. No, 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 no. Somebody touched me. No, they didn't just rub against me. They weren't just kind of checking me out, trying me out. No, they touched me. They laid hold of me, and something flowed from me and that healed them. 
And friends, there's all the difference in the world. We can come to church, we can go through the same service, hear the same message, be in the same presence of God, and we can leave with absolutely nothing changed in our lives. And the person six inches from me, their life can be changed because they chose to touch God. They didn't just go through the motions, go through the service, put in their time. They came to touch God. They had an issue in their life. They needed wholeness. They, or they just had a hunger for the Lord and the presence of the Lord. And they made their own choice in their mind saying, I don't care what I feel. I don't care what's around me. I don't care what songs are being sung. I'm here to meet God because I know he's here and I'm not leaving until he touches me. And the way that they receive that touch is they first reach out to him and they make effort. This woman was not healed until she reached out and touched the Lord until she made the effort. And I say this with all love and kindness, my friends, but I hear it all the time down through the years in ministry. People will walk out of church and say, I didn't get anything out of that service. You know why? You didn't give anything. That's why. That's why. Because Jesus is here. He says, I promise you, when two or more gather in my name, I am here. And it doesn't matter if you get a full worship team. It doesn't matter if you get a 300-year-old piano out of tune. It does not matter. I'm here. I am here. All these things can, can guide you toward me, can inspire you. But if you have nothing, you've got me. Not a song, not a word. I'm here. And not just in Sunday, but through the week, every single day. You reach out to me, I reach back. If you give to God, you always get back. And it's immediate. You reach out and touch him, and he will touch you right back. And so worship is simply expressing love to the one that I'm married to. That's who I'm married to, Jesus Christ. That's all it is. Worship is saying, Jesus, I love you. And you know what? When you do that, you'll hear him say, or you'll feel his touch, saying, I love you too. Jesus, there's no one I'd rather be with. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, there's no one I'd rather be with. I love you too. The Lord always reaches back to us. He always touches us when we reach out to touch him. Let me just read a couple of Bible verses that really uh, describe God's heart to us. Exodus 6, 7, the Lord says, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. That's profound. Leviticus 26, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Jeremiah 7, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Jeremiah 24, speaking of the new covenant that was to come. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God. And in Hosea chapter 2, he's talking to all the peoples of the world, not just the Jews. He says, then I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. 2 Corinthians 6, I will dwell with them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And finally, Revelation 21, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself, underline those words, not angels. No, no. God himself will be with them and be their God. Do you get the drift? Do you get the, the, the thread of what the Lord is saying all through his word over and over again? Do you hear God's heart for you? 
I will be your God. You will be my people. What is God saying? I want to marry you and live happily ever after with you. That's what this is all about. And God has worked out everything. God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we talked about this morning, Pastor Kristen singing the song about the blood of Jesus. It sounds gruesome to some people. All that means very simply is that the blood represents the fact that Jesus shed his blood. What does that mean? He gave his life. He died for you because he loves you. And this might sound corny, but it's true. He died for you because he could not bear the thought of living forever without you. And as somebody poignantly said, when somebody asked Jesus, how much do you love me? He stretched out his arms on the cross and he said this much. This is how much I love you. And as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I will move your sin and your shame from you. And you will be my daughter and you will be my son and I will be your God. And you will walk with me and you will talk with me and you will be like me. And you'll know what it is to know my love. You'll know what it is to be able to express your love for me. We will be one. We will be bride and groom. We will be husband and wife. That's how close God says, I want to be with you. That's what I've done to make happen. And all you've got to do is stand there and say, Lord, I do. I do. I receive you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you because God has already given us that invitation. We're going to close with a worship song. It's just simply a song that expresses the love of God and our love for him. And if you have any need this morning, whatever it may be, I want to invite you to come for prayer in a moment as we sing that song. But as we sing this song, remember, everything God did for you through Jesus Christ, he did because he loves you. You came from him, you are sustained by him, and one day you will return to him. And if you're here this morning, you just feel like, Pastor, I just, I know there's something missing. Well, I'll tell you what you don't need. You don't need religion. This is not about religion. What you need is to be reconnected with the one who made you, the one from whom you came. And without him, like that plant out of the ground, you're just shriveling up. Your body's alive. But you're always empty. It's like the French mathematician Pascal once said. He said there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man and woman that cannot be filled by any created thing, but can only be filled by God himself, the creator. He put that emptiness there so that you would seek to him until you found him. And he says, I'm not far away. I'm right here. But you need to turn and respond to the fact that I'm drawing you, and you know that I'm drawing you. And then emptiness is a reflection that you're not full of me, but I've done everything I can to give you the opportunity to be filled with me, with my life, to be sustained by me, and to know that there's a shadow of a doubt that at the end of this life, you'll return to me. And even through this life, you get to walk with me and talk with me and know me. And so I want to give you the opportunity this morning. Can we stand together? Pastor Kristen's going to sing this song, and as he does, uh, altar team, would you come? And some of our board members are here. Would you just come as well? I think we need a few extra people to minister around the altar. But if you're here this morning and your heart's desire is, is, Pastor, I want, I want to be reconnected with God. It's not about joining a church. It's not a religious thing. I want to be reconnected to my creator. I was made for him, and I want to come back to him. Then I invite you just to come. I'm going to be here as well. I invite you to come. just want to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus Christ and help you to welcome him into your life. If you have a physical need in your body, whatever it may be, you feel free to come. We're going to just sing this song. As you come, we're going to take time to minister, and then we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, I just pray all over this room right now in Jesus' name. 
You know every heart that you're moving in, every heart that you're drawing to yourself, wherever we may be in our journey. But I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that we would say, yes, Lord. I mean, I understand it all. I don't know what's ahead. But I know right now at this moment that what is missing, God, is you. Not just knowing about you. To know you. To know you. Lord, I open my heart to you. Friends, you have to make the choice this morning. The person beside you, their life can be changed in an instant. And you may leave here the same simply because you came and received, but you didn't reach out and touch him. Reach out and touch him this morning. He'll touch you right back. And you'll know that a shadow of a doubt that your life has changed, that you're different. And so, Father, now I just pray by your Holy Spirit that as we sing this song that you would just draw. Draw each one. I pray for those who have physical needs. I pray for healing this morning in Jesus' name. I pray for heavy hearts and broken hearts. You are the healer. I pray for your Holy Spirit to minister strength and comfort, wisdom and direction. I just thank you, Lord. Above all, you want to just pour your love into our hearts. And I ask you to be free to do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.